Hello and welcome to the Over a Third podcast, the Edge of the Crowds Netball podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and tonight, as usual, I'm joined by Ariana and Steph. And Ariana, it was a good weekend, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a very good weekend for me. And now I'm just sort of thinking, can we just maybe go straight to finals? Like, we just need one. We just need one round. Let's just go straight to finals. Like, Thunderbirds, Lightning sort of match up. I'd like to see that. So let's just, yeah, let's just wrap it up now. <laughs> And Steph, you had a kind of okay weekend. Yeah, no, uh, on on Friday, I thought the Vixens would make me sad and the Fremantle Dockers would make me happy. And at the end of the weekend, it was the other way around. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where the Vixens got to, you know, one goal loss after um, the last couple of months. I'll take that every day of the week and because we, we'll get them next time. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And it was great having Super Netball back. Uh, I'd rather not talk about how my teams went because uh, they are currently not anchored to the bottom, but pretty close to propping up the rest of the ladder. Someone's got to keep it stable. May yeah, as well that's... be all of Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, New South Wales did not have its finest weekend. But um, I tell you what, I came home on Sunday from being out and I was pretty tired and I decided to order Uber Eats while I was watching the netball and does anyone want to take a guess at what I had for dinner on Sunday night watching the netball a little a little plug new sponsor good money I mean I figure if they're going to put money into netball I'm going to put money into them like incentivize them to keep doing it because uh netball Australia did announce like last week that Guzmani Gomez had come on board as a partner, which is very exciting for Nepal. Um, one, because that's so much better than a McDonald's sponsorship, right? Like Tex-Mex beats, beats fast food every time, right? And now Guzmani Gomez have ice cream. So like, that's <laughs> the two. I haven't tried it, but I'm certainly tempted every day after uni. Um, I mean, I did have a burrito, not ice cream. Let's let's be clear. I didn't have ice cream for dinner. I'm not that point yet. It will come during the season, but we're not there yet. A little celebratory ice cream. I was Maybe going to say, were you crying into the ice cream if that's what you told? <laughs> I was too busy at working out where it had all gone wrong for the New South Wales teams. And I have kind of narrowed it down for each of them, but... Guzmani Gomez was a great way to sit there and work that out. And of course, the other big news that we had late last week is that Lauren Brown, formerly nurse, um, would be working as a Firebirds assistant on game day um, because she lives on the Sunshine Coast. She has an existing role working in an elite athlete program at a school up there, but she will be helping Coach Beck Bully on game days. Uh, it's good to see the Firebirds had an assistant coach for, for said game day of round one. There was um, a bit of speculation they wouldn't quite make that work. Um, I'm very intrigued again by the very interesting wording of yet another Firebirds media release, though, um, which emphasises that she will combine her role with her existing um, work, uh, which will include assisting head coach on game days. Uh, which to me is just like, isn't isn't that 
isn't that a part of every assistant coach's job? Does that mean there are other parts of the general one would think assistant coach job that she's not doing throughout, you know, most of the week? <laughs> I mean, Tracy Neville has talked about the fact that one of the reasons that she's happy being an assistant coach is that it isn't the same time commitment as being a head coach. And so I do wonder whether Lauren Brown's role is a focus on game day and game prep. And maybe that's a limited time. And my guess about the combining that role with her other commitments um, has to do with her employment contract at said other commitments and making clear that this is a secondary role for her and not uh, a primary course of employment. Yeah, I, I, I think that is a very logical explanation. Um, I do wonder if it also sort of, to me, reads that maybe maybe Lauren Brown is just a temporary for this season and that Firebirds will be, you know, looking to fill that role again come the end of the season or, or as you say, maybe by that point Lauren will be able to take it on more full-time. Um, but is it just sort of a, a Band-Aid? Uh, um, not that Lauren Brown is any sort of Band-Aid with her um, the stellar career that she has had herself, including being a premiership captain in an undefeated season. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's um, it's intriguing. We'll see what unfolds. It is intriguing, and um, I have to say, I have questions about the Firebirds on game day in general because I thought that, um, and I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I thought Beck Bully was outcoached by Tanya Obst on the weekend. She lost the game day battle against her counterpart, which, look, being a first-time head coach is hard. I have never sat on the sidelines and head coached a super netball team. I can imagine it is not as easy as it looks on TV, but I also don't have anywhere near the skills or qualifications of Beck Bully, and no one would want me as their super netball head coach for a reason. Um, you and I thought, still haven't called Dan? I, I quite like Jess Delby. I found she's always been kind and courteous in press conferences. Um, she's lovely. Um, and I think it's it's a pretty tough job, but she Beck Bully was beaten by Tanya Opst on the weekend, I thought. Again, I do wonder if uh, she was beaten by Tanya Opst or if she was beaten by Tanya and Tracy Neville, in fact. It certainly didn't help to have an entrenched assistant at the other side of the court. <laughs> and in a bit of comeback news, um, we're going to go around the grounds at the elite level around the world and a couple of steps down from Super Netball level in Australia. Um, as an old fan favourite makes her return uh, for the Gold Coast Titans, uh, Catherine Tuivati will be returning to the netball court and... I have to say, I wonder, has she snuck her way onto the nominated player list as a potential COVID replacement? The article certainly made it seem like it was <laughs> that she was going to be on court playing and fair play to them. I'm sure it got the many views, <laughs> but um, it's good to see that she is back in a coaching role after obviously her team that she was coaching ceased to exist. Yes, it was, uh, I have to say, that's not where I was expecting Kat to pop back up. <laughs> um, but how exciting. <laughs> Could she join the Nat Medhursts and the Renee Ingalls of um, 
all of a sudden being parachuted back into Super Netball to fill a, a key role? I'm not going to straight up say no, but I feel like um, maybe not. <laughs> I feel like she's got others. She, she's going to be busy. I was just going to question which team would take Kat in SSN anymore. Um, she is an incredibly smart player, but um, I haven't been overly astounded by the way that she has stepped onto court most recently, which also hasn't been recently. And she's a very hard player to combine with because sometimes, she, as many a commentator has said, she's too smart for her own good. Um, and the rest of the team isn't quite uh, ready for her tips and tricks and no-look passes. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It, I think you're right. I think it is a, a long shot, but I wouldn't be staking my house against it at this point in time because <laughs> I would have done the same about Renee Ingalls last year and I would have lost my house. <laughs> I think, to, I, I mean... This may be my my Vixen's bias yet again, but I don't think Renee ever lost the edge. I think she um, continued to sort of choose her path and at, most recently that took her to yeah, be with her family and um, have another kid and then she yeah happened to be visiting Melbourne and got her caught to go back for Collingwood. <laughs> oh, there was pain. Um but like, yeah, I don't think I, I think Renee was always keeping up a lot of skills and fitness to to SSN level. Fair enough. And we also had a bit more of a blast of the past as Katrina Rory is filling in the ANZ Premiership for the Stars, and Rachel Dunn has signed for the Celtic Dragons in the Netball Super League. Amazing. Great to have them both pop back up. Um, as any avid listener, as I'm sure they all are, would recall, I um, was perhaps putting out some ideas that Katrina Rore could come make a make a full comeback. Um, so it was nice to, I think, essentially she was trialling on the weekend and, you know, sending that footage to Lightning. Um, <laughs> and I think based on what we saw from the Lightning, they're pretty happy with where they're at at the moment. <laughs> Against a very depleted Giants team. Maybe so, but they looked, they, they had the killer instinct that we didn't see last year from them. Mm. And I suppose it's time to talk about what netball we saw unfold on the weekend. Um, and just walking you through our um, little run sheet here. Next to Magpie Swift, we have a very simple message, Dan. Are you okay? And that is all there is in the game notes for this match. <laughs> so thank you to whoever prepped Sorry. that part of the run sheet. No, <laughs> that was me. I have to say, I was disappointed with the result for the Swifts, but on Friday in the forecast, I wrote that the match was going to be decided by the accuracy of the shooting circles. And the Swifts had... I think it was one more shot than the Magpies did on goal. And basically, they just shot terribly. They butchered the ball in that shooting circle. And against any super netball team, that's going to cost you. 
I think for me, looking at the Swiss, one of the promising things was that they still got that many shots. They had no trouble getting the ball down the court. Um, the issue was putting it in the goal after that, putting it in the ring, <laughs> um, which is going to be a bit of an issue for them. But it's not the worst issue. Like I'd be more concerned if they hadn't been able to get the ball down the court um, because that midcourt is really established, whereas that shooting circle is a little bit held together by strapping tape. Um, and so to see it leak a little bit is not as surprising as it would have been if, you know, the shooting circle was off everywhere. Uh, the midcourt was off everywhere, sorry. I think for me, I have a lot of questions about um, the Swift's decision-making on the weekend as well. Um taking Romelda Aiken George off I wasn't entirely convinced about and I think the preceding minutes or the minutes that followed after Romelda took to the bench saw the gap widen um and just saw less shots being taken and I also wasn't 100% convinced about the defense and change up I can understand how a Clow, Tegan O'Shaughnessy and Maddie Turner um, goalkeeper, goal defence, wing defence is a really tall option and could have been put on to try and slow down Kelsey Brown in particular and her vision into the circle. But I actually don't think it slowed her down on the court and she was just continuing to sort of speed through that defence into circle edge, which just meant... Collingwood was so much more efficient with the ball. It's true because I think that the one thing it did do is it did slow down Shimona Nelson. Um, she had more goals in the first quarter than the rest of the match. Um, admittedly, not by much. And she did still finish with 100% shooting. So it's not like we can say that, you know, Tegan O'Shaughnessy dominated. But we have seen Tossie work well against the tall physical shooter like Shimona. Um, so we have to work against Janiel Fowler as well and Lenny's pop eater. So I get it. I don't think it worked, but I got what they were trying to do. And I certainly think that Ali Smith was not working in wing defense. I would have loved to see Taylor Fraser in wing defense because she has the speed to keep up with Kelsey Brown. And we know she can play there because she did in that premiership year. And that, to me, seemed like a lost opportunity to test that combination out. Absolutely. And when I was watching it, that's just essentially what I kept writing to myself, was like, why is Fraser not going into wing defence? We've seen her there. We've seen her do really well there. She's got speed. Why are you not putting speed on speed to try and stop Kelsey Brown? Um, and in terms of Tegan O'Shaughnessy, you, you again, we've, we've seen her... Um, go up against those holding shooters well. But again, she spent a lot of time out at goal defence rather than in goalkeeper and a lot of time with Plough, who is obviously an Australian diamond as a goalkeeper, so no no turning my nose up at that. But Plough has also spent more time at this level and above um, in goal defence. So it was, once again, just a strange um, situation. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed, and I have to 
say this because I have been super critical of Sophie Garbingle attack for the last 12 months. I have said it wasn't working. I've said she couldn't do it and she did it on the weekend. Um, 20 goal assists, a bunch of center pass receives, 13 of them, um, six of seven super shots, 12 of six, uh, six of nine goals is a pretty handy return. Um, and definitely shows that she can play goal attack or she did on the weekend. Um, so that was really exciting to see for her because we have been confused by that recruiting decision for the best part of 18 months. So if it keeps paying off like that, it'll make a bit more sense over the rest of the year, I think. And Richard definitely addressed that in the post-match pressure <laughs> presser where she you know, said, well, look, when Shimmy's doing so well, why would I put anyone in goal shooter instead of her? But also, look, look at Sophie Govan. Look, at her. she's she's doing it now. So shut up. Well, she didn't say that, but. <laughs> but I think that was the performance that they recruited Garvin to play goal attack for. That was what they for were sure. looking for when they brought her across. And, you know, we'll see if it holds. Steph, do you want to talk about the next game or would you rather I just threw to Ariana on the Vixens for your game? <laughs> no, I am so happy to talk about this game. Um, I yeah, I, I overall rate myself 80% happy with this game. <laughs> um, I think that, yes, as given the score the last time the Vixens went and played Fever over at RAC Arena for the, the Premiership last year was not this close. Um, and I'm on record saying that the Vixens preseason was a bit of a mess and not having Australian Diamond Joe Weston on court for the Vixens to lose 61 to Fever's 62 with Fever winning it on, you know, the last two seconds of the game. I'm so happy with that. We also were missing Rani Samerson, who's, I, I don't think the shooting circle you know, really needed to be changed up, but is is a key player. The Vixen sometimes injects, so two of the ten were missing, and yeah, we absolutely took it to Fever. And I think with a Joe West in there next time, it's in the bag. This season's ours. Vixens for Premiership, it, based on one losing game. It was a masterclass by the Fever of how to manage the last thirty seconds of a match, yeah. like. You almost knew once they got that center pass, I think it was 34 seconds left. There was something about that just felt, you know, that they were going to drain the entire clock. And I mean, Janiel took, I think it was 11 seconds was when the feed went in and she didn't make a pass and she shot with one second left and she didn't get called for held ball. Like that is a masterclass on how to manage 10 seconds. I wonder if anyone in the team was just counting <laughs> nine. I think she was. It looked like yeah. for a, a good chunk of the time, she had one eye on the clock, like mm -hmm. making sure she, she she drew the penalty. She didn't take the advantage. She made sure to get it set properly. And, and look, that's how good teams do it. I mean, we've seen the Swifts a few times over the years go into that mode where they make 75 passes in a row through the mid court so that they don't have to take the shot and, give the ball back and that's the fever's way of doing it and it was exactly what they wanted to do i can tell like we could tell from dan ryan's press conference that he would have rather they did that 10 goals up than with scores level but i think he was pretty happy that they closed it out in the end 
They did rob us of a bit of extra time action, though, which I wouldn't have been mad about. I feel like Steph probably would have, like, died a little bit, but I would have enjoyed it. I was there for it. I was like, yeah, let's go to extra time. Let's really see what happens. Go on, get them out of there. It was was five more minutes. Um, I do wonder about the Vixen's first quarter. which was a 17-12 quarter with Fever obviously winning the quarter. A lot of players were out of their normal position. Um, on one hand, I sort of reflect on Simone McInnes's big criticism, criticism of not having a plan B. So I think we really saw a plan B put onto court. Um, but given that the rest of the three quarters were three quarters the Vixens won, um, when they moved the team back into their sort of more natural positions and just had Maddox on at goal defence and Liv Lewis in at goalkeeper, so a small tinker to the normal lineup rather than mass changes, where the Vixens actually would have come away with a win um, if they had been more stable from the start of the game. Uh, we're going to talk about it in the next game, but I give Simone McInnes credit for not flogging the dead horse. Like it wasn't working in the first quarter and she went, right, it's not working. This needs to change. There was no persisting with something that was broken, which there are a number of other coaches that did over the weekend. Um, And I think also Liv Lewis played a really good game. Um, Phenomenal. Seeing her way through Janiel Fowler, she, she really bothered Janiel Fowler. And I know that's, partly because she had the years of practice of training against her, but she almost has a specially carved out role that if players could be traded week to week, I think everyone would trade for Liv Lewis the week they went up against the fever because she has certainly mastered how to give Janiel Fowler fits. It was beautiful to watch. And on the other side, some big ups mm. to Alice Teague Neal. She that last year was no flash in the pan based on what we've seen. Um, 20 goal assists, 39 feeds. Like those are Liz Watson numbers. They're actually better than what Liz Watson put out of the weekend. Liz um, spent a quarter in centre, but go on. But it, it's the kind of game that we expect from Liz Watson. And that's a really good sign for ATN. Um, I thought she was brilliant. And moving to Sunday, Aaron, I'm going to throw to you because I know you hated every second of this matchup. I was, okay, so I, to be honest, I went in not really knowing what to expect. And then it was kind of just like what can only be described as a bit of a shit show for the Giants, which um, was really great for me. Lightning won every, every quarter. Katie and Haney, wow, I'm in love. Um and then, the, but the funniest part wasn't even a lightning thing. It was when Lauren Moore was like, okay, I'm ready to go into wing attack. Um, they gave her the bib and that girl was ready to go and fight. There is mad respect for Lauren Moore for the fact that she would have known that's not the bib I usually wear. And she went, I'm happy to do it anyway. Like, I'm happy to give it a try. That, there's a lot of credit for that in my mind. There was no time for her to be like, uh, guys. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm, I'm going in. We can take, sure. For those who didn't watch, uh, Amy Parmenter turned an ankle and was hobbling off the court. 
And Julie Fitzgerald saw that and called timeout. But as she called timeout, they'd put the wing attack bib on Lauren Moore because Palmy was playing in wing attack and Amy Sliger was in wing defense. And Lauren Moore was was ready like that until about 15 seconds left in the timeout. And then Julie looked and went, no, no, you two switch and put Sliger back into wing attack and more into wing defense in what is closer to her natural position. Um, but yes. credit to her for being ready to go. Like that's the kind of thing that as a bench player, that's how you show I'm ready for court time. I want to get on the court. I don't care how, like play me out of position. I'm good to go. I think also at that point, you know, what more were Giants going to expect? Like They were pretty far in a hole. Why not try something radically strange? Um, but yeah, that was that was a delightful little moment. But I have to say that just generally as a netball fan, I breathed a sigh of relief when I saw them switch Sliger back to wing attack and more to wing defense. Put her back in her defensive third. <laughs> For me, this match really showed that we might have had the Giants pegged wrong in that Joe Harton's not their most important player. Maddie Hay might be their most important player just because the sheer drop-off from her to the next player at her position, who is Amy Parmenter, who is one of the best players in a different position, is pretty significant and it really hamstrings the team without her there. Um, and I know that MVP doesn't technically work that way, but there's a strong argument to say that Maddie Hay might be the most valuable player in Super Netball just because of how much a team struggled without her. Yeah, I think that it, it was definitely a problem. I feel like maybe there was a bit of an oversight that they hadn't sort of looked at, like, what happens if this player get inj- gets injured? Turns out a lot of things happen. None of them good. It is a really interesting equation and reflection point to reflect on how the Giants recruited to, um, like, at least when Kira Austin was at the Giants, she could sometimes swing to wing attack when needed. But are they expecting Sophie Dwyer to be able to do that if Joe Harden and Matisse were both fit? Like, or is it just that they really thought Amy Sliger was going to be able to hold on better as a wing attack even without you know a lot of minutes there it, it was actually the selection of Erin O'Brien that was most confusing for me because O'Brien is a defender and she was the one brought into the 10 for Maddie Hay rather than bringing in a second mid-quarter so that you had a true mid-quarter on the bench with your starting seven they had two circle defenders who can play wing defense in a pinch and to me, that was the most surprising thing that that wasn't kind of developed through the week. And I understand that the next goal attack wing attack in the giant system as recently as two weeks ago um, was actually on the sidelines for this match as a training partner for the other team, but <laughs> with Nat Sliger. Um, but it was pretty jarring to see the best wing attack in the Giants Academy a couple of years ago running around in wing attack for the lightning and then the next choice as a training partner for the lightning like that seems like a missed trick for the giants yes and i think also you know part of the reason why sliger went 
to Lightning was that she actually wasn't a training partner for Giants. The Giants have Fiddler, a defender, O'Donoghue, who's recently been signed to Leeds, but was a Giants training partner as a defender, um, O'Brien, a defender, and then Briketic, who's a shooter. So, you know, maybe some of those defenders can slip into wing defence, but again, where is your wing attack attacking centre coverage? It's Palmy. It's very clearly Palmy. Palmy is the next option in those positions this season, which, which is, is jarring. Madness. <laughs> yeah, that's another word for it. I'm not going to argue with you on it. <laughs> uh, it's and, also, and I think, sorry, I think the like when Amy Parmenter did move to wing attack, you, you did see a, a weakness in the in the defense end. Again, they kept Sliger on in wing defense most of the time. Um, rather than putting more on who has played a fair few minutes of wing defence. So it's like, if this is going to be your lineup of Palmy in wing attack, JLP still in centre and Sliger in wing defence, you've got to, you're not helping Branley and um, McDonald. Tilly <laughs> um, pick up any ball. I'm less critical of that because I think that part of the reason that there was a drop-off in wing defence is that Palmy sets a very high standard in wing defence. There is a drop-off from Palmy to most wing defences in the league. That's not just a Sliger problem. Like, I think the drop-off from Palmy to Ali Smith and Taylor Fraser and whoever else you want to play wing defence at the Swifts is there. And probably the same with the T-Birds. There's a drop-off from Palmy to Hannah Petty or Latanya Wilson if she's going to play out of position. So it's not really an indictment of Sliger in the same way, but... It's definitely a point that they just, there didn't seem to be a what happens if this goes pear-shaped. Like it was, we're riding into battle with this seven with our eyes closed and our fingers crossed. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But it's yeah. not to take away from the lightning at all because all along the court, they were superb. The shooters were Excellent. Wood and Conan carried their diamonds form 100% into Super Netball. I thought the midcourt was really good. The speed of Miller and Sherian was really troubling for the Giants. And that defensive end. Wow. I feel like it's not often that someone outshines Carla Pretorius, but uh, it happens. I mean, it happened, but I think the most amazing thing for me was that, like, Katie and Dahini had eight deflections, and it felt like she had more than that. She had nine, def- sorry, nine deflections that didn't result in a turnover and eight gains. It's 17 disruptions of the opposition of play and six penalties. Six penalties and six is nothing. <laughs> Beautiful. So good. Between the two defenders, they had 16 penalties, 12 gains, and another 15 deflections that didn't result in a gain. That is giving someone fits and staying in play at the same time as, you know, fantastic for the Lightning looking forward. Gives a new meaning to elite. Um. Carla Pretorius looked like she hadn't missed a beat coming back. And, and I mean, it was the same in quad series, but 
it was stunning. She just that, combined really, really wait. well with Katie. Yeah, I can't wait to see that connection get even stronger. Um, will we see one of those lifts like we saw in the Collingwood game? I don't know. Do they even need it? I I can't see Katie and Haney lifting Carla Pretorius. <laughs> and I can't see Pretorius lifting Dehaney either. I, I, I think the lift is not going to be there. But with Dehaney's arms, do you need lifts? Like, her arms are, like, 15 feet long. She can just reach up and block whatever it is. Her arms are probably longer than I am tall. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, like, me stuck to her limbs. That was our matchup of the week last week, Sophie Dwyer and Carla Pretorius. And it's fair to say that that one was... <laughs> pretty significantly in Pretorius's way. We score that one a knockout to Pretorius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's not, a, it's not a split decision. That one was, was pretty <laughs> resounding. And in our last game of the weekend, we had the Thunderbirds take on the Firebirds in the Battle of the Birds. And at quarter time, it looked like it was going to be the Firebirds. And then all of a sudden, um, changed it was a wild pivot one might say <laughs> to um see that swing in momentum really fully go back to t-birds um i think as uh as sort of the vixens did as well they saw that their first quarter lineup was not working they made some big changes um and but then they stuck with it I don't think there were any changes for T-Birds after, after that first quarter. Yeah, they made a couple of switches early in the second. Um, and then all of a sudden, we didn't see the bibs in the air again, um, which was really promising. But I think actually for me that there were the three substitutions that the T-Birds made, bringing Taylor Williams, uh, Tilly Garrett, and Tipper Dwan on for, in various positions, Lucy Austin. Maisie Nackerville and Hannah Petty. But it was also the interchange the Firebirds made that had a really big impact. So Lara Dunkley left the game with the Firebirds up by three goals and a few minutes left in the second quarter, and we didn't see her again. Now, whether that is to injury or minutes management or that was a coaching decision, I think that was a big part of why the Thunderbirds got blown out in the end, why the Firebirds got blown out in the end. I do think that the T-Birds put out a stronger team. Like, I think um, Tipper came on with an absolute case to prove. Like, she has continued her form that I think we saw briefly at Team Girls Cup. Um, it's not the same form we saw in 2022, but she tore up that court and made a huge difference to that attack line for Thunderbirds. Um, and I think if you've got Wilson, Garrett and Shamira Sterling all on court in wing defence, goal defence, goalkeeper, that is that is a hard defence end to, to crack. Um, but certainly the Firebirds putting Macy Gardner on um, into wing attack and keeping her there and keeping her there and keeping her there <laughs> uh, 
absolutely did not help the Firebirds, um, uh, you know, challenge that defense end that T-Birds had put out. Um, I think we also didn't necessarily see a great game from Mia Stoa in terms of her movement and game making. I thought she was much better in the first quarter and a half. Coincidentally, <laughs> in partnership with Lara Dunkley, I thought Dunkley brought out the best in her game and Gardner didn't have the same ability to do that. Yeah, there was just not... it The the flow of movement on court, the space that Gardner and Stoa started running into or away from just was not, to me, a, a very coherent gameplay that, you know, ultimately didn't result in them getting yeah. getting goals. On the flip side... At the other end of the court for the Firebirds, Remy Carmo had as good a debut as we could have hoped for. I guess I think I thought she was really good on debut, which we we should have expected because she's a, a more experienced player. She's not a uh, sprightly twenty-one year old. She's had a long time waiting for this opportunity, but she absolutely was ready for it and showed that she's definitely got the potential to make it at this level. Um, Not to jump to our game later, but that might, in my opinion, be a bit of an overreaction. I think, <laughs> I think, I think she had a good hit out. Yes. I think she did very well. I think she will still be the starting goalkeeper next game and uh, it'll be, you know, hard for anyone to sort of, knock her out of there for a little while but um she's fine she'll be fine <laughs> I'll, I'll I'm happy to eat my words later in the season but I think it's let's let's calm the farm a little bit solid Gabby's... c grade c grade from you <laughs> I'll, give her a, I'll give her a b minus I would have said c is pretty harsh b minus is not I'm not gonna argue with you on that I, I mean it wasn't the same game that we saw from three other goalkeepers around the league this week because we did see some outstanding performances in goalkeeper. Um, any other notes on the games before we talk about the fact that all four MVPs were in the same pattern? Yes. Gabby Simpson deserves a shout-out. She yes. was tearing up that court I think she got some harsh penalties against her that should have actually been also you know gains or intercepts for her she was like I cannot remember the last time I've seen Gabby Simpson play that well um and I think that if she can keep that form up you know that'll be fun for us to watch (laughs) I don't think it'll change a lot for the Firebirds, but she, she will be fun to watch this year if she plays like that, certainly. Yep. Um, and she she did get picked in our team of the week um, mm. as a result of that performance, despite the numbers not really stacking up. Because I agree with you, there were a lot of gains and intercepts that were negated by penalties and out and things like that. I think also just the um, like enthusiasm that and that she brought onto that court, like. She really did not want to give up on that game. I think we saw some real, like, leadership uh, leadership from her again, which I think sadly kind of got beaten out of her with some 
bad seasons, <laughs> um, I saw a refreshed Gabby Simpson and I was very excited. Gabby Simpson having fun. Yeah. Gabby Simpson loving netball. But on the weekend, we had four matches. And in all four of those matches, a Jamaican sunshine girl was named MVP. And that should terrify everyone ahead of the World Cup. I hope sponsors see that and be like, okay, we'll give you some more money. This is what training in an elite environment can do for the Sunshine Girls. And I think it would be nice if more members of their team got that opportunity. But also if that sponsorship could come after World Cup, that would be great. (laughs) I I don't think it's going to make a difference between now and the World Cup, given that contracts in all the major leagues are kind of done now. Yeah. Um, But it, it is interesting that, you know, if the Jamaican Sunshine Girls keep stacking performances like that together here and in England, someone's going to take notice and it might not take a World Cup winning performance for that but it may well fuel a world cup winning performance which is a hot take but i think the ends for the court of the jamaican team are outstanding and it's just about where that midcourt can hold up against the likes of australia and new zealand i think the thing though is that a lot of these well uh, Sterling and Katie and Dehaney do not often play on court together at the same time. We've seen it. We've seen Sterling out a yep. goal defense in front of Katie, um, but it uh, is not is not a frequent combination. And I know, but the Latanya Wilson at wing defense, Jody Ann Ward at goal defense, Shamira Sterling goalkeeper is a lineup we've seen, and that looked threatening on the weekend too. <laughs> Yeah, or even I think switching Ward and, and Wilson as well because yeah. Sterling and Wilson will have such a, an even stronger combination mm. than we saw at Com Games, which was horrifying for Australians. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, and I think I think at the other end of the court as well, not that... You can only play one. You can only play one. You, like, more so even than Sterling and Katie and Dehaney. You're not... You're not having Shimona Nelson run out at goal attack. Um, so can you imagine trying to match up on both of those in the same circle at the same time? Well, I don't think he, I don't think they would be, be like, in the same it'd circle. It'd be it'd be a really impractical circle from an attacking point because there'd be no movement. It would just be holding. But if yeah. you could get to circle edge, you could just toss it like nine feet in the air and say, ah, someone will get it. yeah you could do a hail mary and the ball would end up in somebody's hands Um, but it it was exciting to see now as steph hinted um we are going to do because it's round one and everyone loves to draw conclusions at round one a little bit of real or overreaction from the weekend so we're each going to throw out a couple and everyone else on the pod is going to answer whether the statement is real or overreaction and i feel like steph's going to be the really boring overreaction police here on this <laughs> one stop sensationalizing <laughs> this stop it um anyone have any particular burning ones they want to go first with or i'm happy to go first otherwise no i'm backing in myself what i said 
under own my own mental duress last week. <laughs> Tanya Obst, coach of the year. Oh. Overreaction. I, I mean, I think she outcoached <laughs> Beck Bully on the weekend, but I want to see how they go when shit hits the fan because that's traditionally been where Tanya spins the wheel and throws the bibs in the air is when they're down 10, 11, 12 goals in the third quarter and it becomes a 16, 17 goal loss. Um, this was early in the game and the opposition really faded. And I want to see how she goes when they're five goals down in the fourth quarter. That like, if we can start to see them come out of that situation, I'm interested. On being outcoached by the Firebirds, my <laughs> my hot take was Firebirds lurky maybe don't care so much about this season. It's more about building and it's not so much about winning. I that's real. I think the Firebirds players care about the season. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's be very clear. No one's suggesting that players are going out not caring about winning but what i'm saying is that the organization is not measuring beck bully's performance on wins this year absolutely (laughs) that that is that is real (laughs) i think i think beck bully isn't even necessarily measuring Mm -hmm. it on wins you know she said that she was happy for them to try out things so uh try out things i think they're gonna do uh, over under on five birds assistant coaches. I'm going to set the line at two and a half. <sighs> over or under? Uh, I think maybe over. Wait, two and a, well, so they're already on two. So, so is there going to be another assistant coach this year? Is basically the question. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because they will announce their new assistant coach before the end of the 2023 calendar year, and it's not going to be Lauren Nurse Brown. Before the grand final, two and a half coaches. Uh, I'm still going to say three. I don't. Please, please don't ask me why. It's just a vibe. I think they don't really have like, even though they've announced a new assistant coach, based on that wording, they're like, oh yeah, she should be she'll be doing some assisting. Um, but it's you know, they might want to start building up this coaching duo before the season's over, and that, you know, makes the most sense. So if they're not going to have this assistant coach next year, you know, why not be on the lookout to find someone? even if they have to start mid-year. Fair enough. Um, By the end of the season, the T-Birds starting shooting combo will be Cardwell and Dwan. Real or overreaction? I'd say real. Like, to me, there's not really that many alternatives. Well, the the other alternative is the Austin-Cardwell combo. Yeah, I don't... Cardwell Hodges. <laughs> Steph's on his Austin Hodges. Hodges. <laughs> <laughs> Georgie. <laughs> Georgie, come back. I... It looked good. It did look good. It looked very, very good. Um, I 
would be very interested to see who the starting seven is for next week. I think if they keep going back to Austin Cardwell, they want to invest in Lucy. She's the future of South Australian netball. Um, you know, I think I think a bit more time, a bit more exposure, a few more minutes could she will she will get there. It just depends how fast the T Birds want to get her there versus how much they um yeah how much they struggle to to win games at this point with her on so um on the subject of t-bird starting sevens the uh captain of the t-birds hannah petty will be starting from the bench by the end of the year i mean we've sort of seen glimpses of it in the past so like but she hasn't often started on the bench generally starts true yeah overreaction um i think that wilson and shamira sterling in goal defense goalkeeper is still their preferred defensive circle um tilly's great but i don't think she's necessarily cracking that herself to get a starting um goal defense bib off wilson um and therefore i think you still see petty uh in wing defense starting the game And I've got uh, two more, unless anyone else has any more they want to go with. Go ahead. The Giants can't win without Joe Harden. Okay, well, that was the first game that ever no, played but, without her. But if she misses any more games, they don't win any more games without. Like, they don't win any games where she doesn't play. Uh, depends if it's continual to me, whether it's a continual or she's back in for a bit and then she's out again I think they have the opportunity to try and build something and then maybe it's not winning but yeah overreaction uh Matisse Leatherbearer and Sophie Dwyer can beat five heads (laughs) (laughs) Steph picking out the draw and going that's the one (laughs) Uh, brown six (laughs) Joe Harden will be back by then and not just be like, no, nah, you can stay on the bench. Just just relax. Just have a yeah. sit down. Have a cuppa. Save your strength for a World Cup. Yeah. Just <laughs> and I guess I don't really know how to to put this one, but um by the end of the year, um Olivia Lewis is seriously contending for a starting job somewhere at the Vixens. Somewhere at the Vixens. Like e- either in goal defense <laughs> or goalkeeper. Like she's she's forcing her way onto the court. In Mannix's place? Or... I mean, the, the math says that that's either Mannix's place or there's you know, an injury and she's the next one in. Yeah. Um, I think um, overreaction, stating that up top. <laughs> I, I think if there's an injury in the defensive circle, Liv Lewis should be the next one in. Um, Kate Eddy came through as a defender, but, uh, and I mean, we've only seen it occasionally in SSN. It hasn't really worked there. So I think it should be whoever's there, um, Liv Lewis should be should be getting that starting spot in the in an injury scenario. But Joe and Mannix have an incredible connection. I think we would have seen Liv Lewis more already if she was going to be 
smashing in for a starting spot. Like she was a big kind of name recruit for Vixens when she came across from Fever um, and she just hasn't managed to really crack through. So overreaction. Okay. Well, I think we got our fair share of hot takes there um, <laughs> and then some very reasoned takes from Steph as well. <laughs> let us know in the comments below. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think we're wrong, let us know. Please don't at me, please. <laughs> <laughs> at me. You can at me. Yeah. Steph's itching for a nipple fight at the moment. <laughs> Let me at him. Let me at him. Let me talk nipple. Please. Well, I'll let you talk nipple, Steph, because round two is just around the corner and we have some fun matchups, but we might start with the match that is the end of the round so that you can talk about your beloved magpies. Sorry, fixes. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally wearing the shirt. <laughs> the slander. I just can't even. Um, Magpies, Vixens. What an exciting second game for both teams. I just, I, I can't, I'm nervous. I am nervous. Magpies were very good on the weekend, but for Vixens, as I said, to take it to Fever was phenomenal. Um I think I'd prefer for Joe Weston to be back for it, but I have faith. I have faith in a Liv Lewis Mannix lineup. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for a Vixens win. <laughs> it is a good matchup for Liv Lewis to play a lot of game time because Shimona Nelson is quite similar to Janiel Fowler. Um, yes. So maybe I'm curious to see whether. Last week, the Vixens were able to stop the Fever's momentum and kind of get the game back on their terms, which is something they struggled with last year. The Magpies showed that when they get given the chance, they can run very, very fast and move the ball even faster. Can the Vixens slow the Magpies if they get on a roll doing that? That's going to be the big question for me. Yes. The other, the other game on Sunday is uh, the Giants and the Fever which until recently has generally resulted in these very close blockbuster matches. <laughs> um, it might be again. Um, my best guess is, as we record the night before selections are announced, that both Joe Harton and Maddie Hay will be back and playing. And I think if they are both back, it's a very different looking Giants lineup this week. One that can at least make the fever sweat. I don't think they can beat the fever, but I think they can make it hard for them. Overreaction. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's got his orange glasses on today. <laughs> no, I, I, if Maddie Hay or Joe Harton doesn't play, it's going to be another 15 point, 20 point, 25 point dropping. But I, I think with both of them, there's a, like they can make it close. I think if, if Joe Harden and Maddie Hay are on court for 60 minutes and playing as we saw them end the season last year, close game. But I just, like, they're, they're not going to rush them back, but Joe Harden has not had a smooth preseason. Um, it's obviously been incredibly interrupted. She's been training for a week and a half a now. A week. A week. Yeah. Um, and maybe Maddie Hayes in better shape. She got through more of the preseason, but 
I I don't know that we're seeing them for 60 minutes and I don't think if we do see them for 60 minutes we're seeing them as the 2022 combo that we um, saw at the end of the season so I think it's going to be a big game for Fever and whoever's on court Giants are going to struggle. Sorry Dan. Uh, look, I, I'm going to be at Kenroswell Arena, and the thing that I'm hoping for most is that over the offseason, someone has found the heater in that place because otherwise it is bloody freezing at Kenroswell Arena. <laughs> Dear Kenroswell Arena people, um, please get down a heater. He's a cold little boy. <laughs> He's so freezing. Uh, I can tell you that I'm actually not the only one who has that complaint because. It is the only netball stadium in the country where the players come out at halftime to warm up in their track suits. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they sit on the bench in their track suits. This is not just me being cold. This is a <laughs> cold place. <laughs> also, it's only March. It's only going to get worse. Last year at Kenroswell Arena, there were days where I wore a beanie and gloves to cover the netball. Not like on my way to the netball, like sitting there <laughs> typing on my laptop at the netball. I've never been so glad to not live in Sydney. <laughs> it's giving like you're going to watch your kids at primary school at like 7am in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope everyone has a good time. I'm so <laughs> At a theoretically indoor stadium. <laughs> yeah. Ken Russell is an instrument. There are certainly some large windows for an outdoor setting in a kind of pool of a roof, but yeah. And on Friday, um, to kick off the round, we have the Battle of the Bruce or um, Training Partners versus Match Day 10, as I like to call it. Because... Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 I thought I was harsh on Firebirds. Oh, no, I was about the fact that all of the Firebirds training partners have ended up playing for the life. <laughs> That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Like you get picked in a Firebirds training partner squad, and you can be pretty sure that your next move is up the Bruce to a match at ten spot. Hey, you want more sunshine? Bad beaches? Come on! I mean, <laughs> I mean, I picked, I picked the sunny coast over Brisbane any day. I think it's going to be an interesting one because the Lightning looked very, very good on the weekend, and if they turn up like that again, they could blow away the Firebirds. Completely. Like he, this could be like what we saw with the Lightning last year, where the Lightning got absolutely blown out. Like they could be doing the same to other teams if they turn up like they did last weekend. And that would be really bad for the Firebirds because then there'll be two losses down at home. And two big losses. Like that hurts your percentage as well. And yeah. if anyone needs a reminder of how important percentage can be in Super Netball, Ask the Swifts how many goals they missed finals by last year. The answer is two. If I recall correctly, 0.19%. Like (laughs) getting blown out, even if you're going to turn it around, it hurts later. So it's big for the Firebirds to to be competitive. Um, But I am not expecting them to pull off an upset this weekend. No. Honestly, my hot take for this game is that if Lightning come out and play like that again for 60 minutes, I'll be bored. I won't. uh, I mean, it'll be great. Good for Lightning. um, Good for their combinations. But I want Charlie Bell on court, you know? I want to see 
see what their what they what these pathway athletes can be doing what their next tier can be doing can they hold up that firepower with a charlie bell on court I just want to say Charlie Bell. It would be a real middle finger to the Firebirds to trot out their former trading partners in the fourth quarter once you put the game away and blow them out even further. Especially at home too. Exactly. Hey, guys, look what we... Hey, look what we guys... (laughs) Do you recognise these faces? Honestly, if they have a big enough buffer, why not? Because then potentially those training partners' families will be there, so they get to they get to smash yes. their former team in front of their families on debut. <laughs> on debut, it's it's move like a movie. Quick question: Do we see the other slagger on court? Do we see her in the game day ten this week? No. Why? Because Nat Slager is a wing attack, goal attack. And if there is one thing the Lightning are not short of, it's goal attacks. They are short in the midcourt, though. So last They time... are, but I think it's more likely to be Ava Black, who's a genuine wing defense center, which is really where they need the coverage, knowing that Steph Wood can push out to wing attack if needed. Right. Sorry for the logic to ruin the fun, but like, there's my logic. <laughs> Logic's logic. And the fourth game of the weekend, or the second game of the weekend, is the Thunderbirds hosting the Swifts. And I'm nervous for the Swifts. Mm. Like, the Thunderbirds play them well at the best of times. And based on the way that their shooting circle performed over the weekend, this is not the best of times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If you struggle to feed against Jody Ann Ward and Jiva Mentor... Shamira Sterling and Latanya Wilson are not who I would choose to play next. No, it's not. Yeah, I think I, you know, it's still start of the season round two, but I think Swifts really want to be coming out hard in this game if they're going to be premiership contenders. Again, very early, like it's obviously not the end if they, I think if they, I think they could come out hard and still lose this game. And that would be okay if they are looking much more like this this premiership contending Swifts that we've seen previously. Yeah. But if it's a complete mess again, <laughs> um, that's bad. Well, I think if it's a complete mess again, we're going to start asking questions about how far away Sam Wallace is. Um, because if they can't get it sorted with Romelda George, they're going to need Wallace back because we know that formula works, mm-hmm. Wallace and Houseby. But it is a big concern, and for the T-Birds, they'll be looking to build on some momentum. They're still a team that has never won their first three matches of the season, and this does present the opportunity to get just one match away from that. But also, it would be very T-Birds-like to lose to the Swifts in this situation. It would be, and I don't want to think about it. Don't. Take it back, take it back. Yeah, it will be. And this is our match that has the matchup of the week because we're looking at it. And for me, there was a pretty obvious uh, matchup of the week that I'm looking forward to this weekend. And it is one that had a little bit of beef during the Commonwealth Games, 
and a little bit of beef during quad series. And it is Sarah Crowell versus Eleanor Cardwell because those two play each other very physically and very tough. And I think they're going to go to head to head for, you know, a decent chunk of Saturday night this week. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think they're quite Bruce B. Cardwell, uh, (laughs) but it will nonetheless be a very exciting matchup. Um, I think also it'll be, you know, I think Clow definitely got the better of Cardwell at quad series. Um, but I think Cardwell, uh, with a Tracy Neville on the bench, um, and obviously with Tanya Ops there, um, <laughs> could be a very different Cardwell um, that we'll see come out. And we saw last week um, after the game, El Cardwell talked about the fact that Super Netball was a step up on where she's played before. And um, with all due respect to Remy Carmo, she was a debutante last week. And there is another big step up coming this week for Cardwell against, you know, starting to meet diamonds week in, week out, which is what she's going to have for the next little while. So I will be interested to see how this one goes. I'll be interested to see if she improves her super shot percentage. (laughs) She does love the super shot. She said that after the game that she loves the super shot and she's really happy to shoot it. Mm. Um, I'm quite sure that Tanya Obst would like her to shoot better if she's going to keep shooting it, but um, yeah. it is a, a practice skill at the end of the day. I mean, that I think sometimes it gets lost how much better it has made some of the Australian shooters at shooting from distance because they have to, to keep up in these games. Sometimes we saw last week, there were times where teams went to the super shot out of necessity and they were answered at the other end and, Shooters have to be able to make it in this league. Um, so I think Cardwell will be practicing that this week to make sure that she can. <laughs> yes. And if you're loving the super shot and very happy to take them and getting three from eight of them, <laughs> you would definitely <laughs> want to be going and practicing your shot. Um, but we'd love for you to be following our socials over the weekend and every weekend for the rest of the year because. Um, we are running some social media stuff where you can vote for player of the match and that will eventually feed into our team of the week. So if you check out the team of the week article on Edge of the Crowd, you can see who people picked as the uh, player of the match in each of those matches over the weekend. Um, With the exception of one match MVP who was relegated to the bench because you can't have both Shamira and Katie at goalkeeper. (laughs) Um, but we do have uh, a little bit going on on both Twitter and Instagram at the end of every match. So it's a great opportunity to tell us who you thought was outstanding. And all over the edge of the crowd, we have plenty of netball coverage. So there's the team of the week. There is the Friday forecast where we look ahead to the weekend and look at some of the key stats and some of the key quotes from the week. And Monday is our chance to let you know about the weekend unwrapped. So we go through the weekend look back at what the coaches said, look back at what we saw over the weekend and kind of digest how the weekend was. Um, so there's some great in-depth stuff there and, and we're going to mix it up. It's not just going to be my writing. You're going to see Ariana, who is far better on the stats than I am. Um, and Steph, who's got a much better netball brain than I do uh, from time to time as well. So it will be plenty of stuff there to have a read of. 
um, as we try and give you a really good in-depth look at Super Netball each week to go along with this podcast. So Steph and Ariana, aside from the over a third Twitter account, if people want to discuss your netball takes and tell you whether you are overreacting or not, uh, what's the Twitter handle to find you at? Mine is Ariana SVRS and Steph, what is yours? (laughs) Mine is at Steph Ariara, which is Steph with a -A P-H-A-R-I-A-R-A. Every week that you say Steph with a P-H, I really want to go P-H, like Steph, like (laughs) P-H-T-E-P-H. This is Steph. It does start with an S, not a P-H. Um, (laughs) And you can find us at Over a Third Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, You can find all our writing on edgeofthecrowd.com or at edgeofthecrowd on whatever good social media you get. Uh, I'm Dan. You can find me at decouple and you can tell me I'm wrong about netball there on Twitter, Instagram, or any other form of social media that you're going to choose to take issue with my netball takes. Um, But we hope you've enjoyed listening. Thanks for uh, sticking with us through a blockbuster review of round one and a look ahead to round two. And we'll see you next week to break down what we saw and what's coming. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.